You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right. Caps game four tonight against Carolina. Get to some Nat stuff from their win last night over San Francisco. And Van Pelt will join us. Uh, and he was at the Masters on the coverage all weekend You're long. burying the lead. <laughs> You're burying the lead you know, here, buddy. You know I'm not a big self-promoter. I, I want you to promote me. I'm telling you, Kevin Sheehan, the clairvoyant Kevin Sheehan, who nailed down what? I, I mean, 25% of the of, of the Redskins exactly. schedule. 25% yes, of it. Yes. He, yeah. predict, he, he Actually, predicted 25% of the schedule, and which is uh, 100% increase over your best uh, – uh, prediction, right? Actually, just just to give you some credit, for whatever reason, talking about clairvoyant, you said when I did the mock schedule a week and a half ago or whenever it was, this year you're going to get a lot right. It's going to be a record <laughs> year for you. And I'm like, why do you think that? Well, it I didn't matter. Part, part you, have, of, you have great instincts uh, part, on this stuff. Part of the reason was, I, I don't know how or why, but you seem to be smarter than you used to be. <laughs> so, um, so I figured that maybe you'd, get, you, you, you'd have a little bit more insight. So not, not to belabor this, I'll, I'll real quickly, I got four right. Yes. Uh, not exactly four right. I got three right exactly, but the Minnesota game I did get in week eight. Yes. And I also said it would be a featured game. Yes. But I had it as a late Sunday Fox doubleheader game. Instead, they put it on Thursday night. Oh, but let's I, let's not quibble. Yeah, That's what erasers are for. I don't think we should quibble about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I had, so I had that one right. I had at Buffalo in week nine right. I, I mean, that's so bizarre <laughs> that you had that one right. I had Philadelphia at home in week seven, in week 15 right, and I uh, correctly predicted that they would close at Dallas in week the 17. The Buffalo one is, is the whoa moment. <laughs> whoa! <laughs> Especially when you consider it's back-to-back games that he got right. Eight yeah, and nine. back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. And nearly I think it, there, the San Francisco game was really close in there too. But I um, last year the woe moment was when I predicted that they would play Tennessee in the next to last week of the season on a Saturday, <laughs> and I got that one right. But that was the only one I got right. Yes. And typically, yes, it's a. I think the most right ever was two. Two. So you've doubled. So I your doubled best. that in one year, thanks to your encouragement. <laughs> um, I also, I, I, I was very close on a lot of other things. I said that they would open up on the road, um, and I had at Giants, and it's at Philadelphia. I got the two primetime games right. I said no more than two primetime games this year, and they only got two. Um, I missed, uh, I missed Green Bay by a week. And I missed the 49ers, Patriots, and Panthers by two weeks. So I was very close to destroying this thing. <laughs> by the way, just uh, enough about the mock schedule. It was a, it was a very good year, and I'm, I'm thrilled about it. I do want to talk about the schedule in general, the real schedule. Yes. Um, they don't need to do this show anymore. We had the entire schedule two hours before the show came on at 8 o'clock on both NFL Network and ESPN. I don't know what the NFL is doing, but they're clearly not penalizing or punishing any of these teams that leak their schedules out to various reporters. No, they're not. I don't know because... Well, again, who do you punish? Well, I, look, they, they've got a two-hour 
television show on ESPN and NFL Network. And when they first started to do this, maybe 10 years ago with the schedule show, you really didn't know anything until the show started. Yeah. It was a true unveiling of the of next year's schedule. Well, social media has changed Then over that. the last four or five years, you'd get some leaks. And last year, you got a few more. But yesterday, you, based, you had the entire Redskins schedule two hours before the show started. Yeah. You had early in the day, right, Aaron, uh, the entire Giants schedule was leaked. The yep. entire Patriots schedule was leaked. The entire Packers schedule was leaked. So then you can start putting together everybody else. I, I figured out by midday that there were only three possibilities for the home opener in week two or week three, and it was Dallas, Chicago, um, and I forget what the other one was. Uh I forget who the other uh, possibility, but you, it was just simple deductive reasoning that could get you to that um, prediction. But it, I should have waited to do the mock sca- schedule until about midday yesterday, <laughs> and I would have gotten about ten right. But you I, know I, what? I don't under. How, how does that happen? Well, again, uh, like you know, J- JP. I think JP actually was JP the one. Added about listen, an hour, forty-five minutes to an hour beforehand. Listen, I would hope that they would give JP the schedule. Why? Well, I would, I would, I think, I think they owe him. Uh, would you stop no. with that? No, I'm not. <laughs> you brought it up. You just brought it up. No, you brought up. You brought him up. I know, but you just brought up what you brought up about well, JP. Well, no, because I you would think... hope I would have predicted. Of course, he was going to have a lot of the schedule before anyone. Of course, you know. First of all, I, I love JP. He's a friend. He's been very helpful in being a part of the podcast because he is covering the team. You know, over the years, and, and you and I both feel the same way when we were doing radio, it was great to have somebody like a Mike Jones or somebody that was covering the team join us and update us on various things that were going on. You seem to think, and I don't feel the same way, I understand that there is a certain... Um, you know, I think he's put in a certain position because of the NBC Sports Washington relationship with the Redskins. Really? Um, and this is where, but you think he's a hundred percent in the tank? No, I don't, I don't. What do you believe? I don't think he's a hundred percent in the tank. Why do you keep picking on him more than others? Why do you keep picking on him? I just you brought him up as the guy who had the schedule information first. All I did was respond. I would expect that he would be the guy I'm sorry. to get the information I'm sorry, but based on the conversations we've had in the past, both on and off the air, maybe I was a bit too presumptuous. Why don't you explain what you meant when you said, I would have expected him to have gotten the schedule? Why? Because I think, like, like certain TV shows, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he's Friendly? Sa- he's safe ground. For the Redskins. I think JP's been critical many times before. I wouldn't, he would be not at the top of my list of safe ground. I do understand the sense, it's funny about this because, and you and I have talked about this before, um, the partners with the Redskins, NBC Sports Washington being a huge partner um, with the Redskins, and all of a sudden at the beginning of last football season, WJFK, your current radio station, became a, a more of a partner slash t- friendly with the team. Oh, that was with the and, old La Famina. And, Although they still have a relationship, and we and we on the and and to 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 see how many <laughs> of those people then handled those relationships versus, and I'm not going to break our arms patting ourselves on the back, but we were owned 
by the t- we were the rights holder. Uh, no more significant relationship than that than being the radio rights holder. But we were also owned by Red Zebra, which was majority owned by Dan Snyder. And I don't think we ever felt compelled to carry the water. No. Not once. No, at we any never point. did. And in fact, and I've said this many times, a lot of people don't believe it, not once. Well, one time. But other than the one time, and I'll, I'll tell you what, the, what, what it was in a, in a second, not once were we ever, ever told what to say, not to say, um, you know, uh, somehow taken to the woodshed for something we did say, not once. Listen, I coined the phrase aura of self-destruction while I was on 980. That's how that's what I used that's how I used to describe it. Zabe referred to Bruce Allen as director of pants and picnics, which is really a per, it's funny as hell, but it's really a personal attack. Yes. Um I I think for 3 years I called Vinny Serrato the most incompetent front office person in the NFL and they had to get rid of him and had to replace him. Not only and, was he was he working for the Redskins he was one of your one of your colleagues at 980. He was well, one of our colleagues yes. at 980. And it's just ironic that you know and and maybe it was because we settled into that relationship or whatever it was for whatever reason nobody really ever unless you want to say that Larry was a part of the radio station because we did the games obviously Larry is an employee of the Redskins he's been carrying the yes. water for years for the Redskins but it was interesting i think a lot of people felt so and i didn't hear it as much because i don't pay attention to it as much but to hear you and others you know talk about the station you're on and NBC Sports Washington and the reaction to oh we're now partners with the Redskins we have to be a little bit more careful in what we say and I don't think we ever felt that way then again to be fair I don't think our style your style maybe a little bit more was to personally attack although we did it on yeah, occasion yeah we did <laughs> and never heard word one about it no never once no I mean, the one the one instance, I think I've told you this before, I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the air, was Jacoby and I were doing a post-game show, and I'll never forget, it was at a restaurant, it was after the oh, Redskins. this is before my time, even. It was before you and I were doing this show together. Yeah. I was doing the show with Rigo, I think, um, and Gary Braun, and so it was a post-game show, Jake got in the bag. I mean, he was pounding beers, you know, right when he got there at halftime for the second half, the first two hours of the pregame show, and in the very final hour of the pregame show, it was a loss to the Packers. It was the Sean Taylor multiple pick game, and Santana Moss fumbled late in the game, and they lost a game at Lambeau to the Packers. And Jacoby said at the end, very end of the of, of the postgame show, they're never going to win as long as Dan Snyder owns this team. And that's the only time, really, ever heard from anybody. And it wasn't me, and it wasn't even the program director. Jake heard from Gibbs. Gibbs called Jake and said, you've got to apologize to Dan. For really? Yeah. That was it. It's the only one. There, there, there was some... For, I'm sure maybe everybody's got their own personal stories of maybe a minor kerfuffle with something they said. Uh, the night of the McNabb trade, Tommy, you and I were working together at that time. Yes. I went on ESPN News and said, to me, it's a red flag trade. I don't know why Andy Reid would trade Donovan McNabb within the division if he still had a lot left. 
and it reeks a little bit of, you know, some of the older, you know, some of the previous trades the Redskins have made in the past. And to me, there's a bit of a red flag on this trade. Right. And Bruce Gilbert, who was our uh, CEO at the time, called me up right when I got off and he said, what did you say on ESPN? And I told him and and I and I I said it was just it was one offhanded comment among many about the trade and the Redskins situation, but somebody did from the organization call him and say Sheehan's killing the trade on ESPN, and I really didn't kill it. Right, that was the only other thing ever. You never heard anything Listen, from anybody. I've never spoken to Dan Snyder. Never. Well, you and I. Well, no, 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 no. At no, the no. Super Bowls, not me. Couple times at Super Bowls, that was it. I don't think he ever set foot into the radio station. I've never seen him. I've never saw him at the radio station. I've never spoken a word to him in all these. You know, years, the only time I, I've told you the the reaction, the only interaction I had with him was when he through through his his henchman Carl Swanson asked if he could ha- if I could autograph some copies of my Hail Victory book. That's the only interaction. That I ever had. Don't with you him. remember though? The only he never set foot into the radio station, not once. The only time I've ever had even a brief conversation, and it was very brief, were at Super Bowls on Radio Row when he and Larry and a bunch of the guys stopped by to say hello to the to to. to I thought it was with you. No. Okay, maybe it was with Doc one year, and maybe with Cooley another year. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, but there was no really and truly like there was no involvement whatsoever in the radio station. I know by him. I but mean, whatever. Uh, look at. I don't know why we got. Uh, well, on this. we got I, this because because of the JP because of the JP thing, and I because of your JP criticism. I think it's friendly ground. But you know what? This is the weakest Redskins press corps I've ever seen since I've been in town. The weakest. <sighs> who really goes after him? Yeah. I mean, you do in your columns. Yeah, but who? Um, uh, Jerry Brewer will write a, a, a scathing column about him. But, but I mean, Barry, I, I, Barry actually, will go actually after reporters. Him. Oh, reporters? I mean, who's who's Jason Lockenfora? Who's Jason Reed? Who are those guys? Who's who, Where are those guys in that core? They're not. Not, there. not a one. They're not there. No. I agree with you on it's that. It's the weakest. Well, from that perspective, I would say, yeah, there's no. No, it's holding their feet yeah. to the fire. Yeah. On the schedule, um... Overall, on the Redskins schedule, a couple of things stuck out to me. First of all, and this is cynical, but also, I think, accurate. I think the league did Dan Snyder a bit of a favor here um, early in the schedule, putting the Cowboys game as the home home opener in Week 2 and the Bears in Week 3. He, they gave Snyder a chance to sell some tickets to these early home games. I'm being serious. Though. I know. I, I know That's it, so I, unbelievable. I, I, know it, I know it is to think about it in that way, but r- truly you, you couldn't start the season with an Indianapolis at home. No, you couldn't. You know, or, or you know, uh, looking at their home schedule, what would have been uh, a terrible home game uh, to have uh, to open up with? Um, San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco at home would have yeah. been would have really been disastrous. So that that w- is a benefit to the Redskins. They'll be able to sell some tickets early in the season with two, you know, the Cowboys fan base obviously being the number one traveling fan base in the NFL, um, and a Bears fan base that travels exceptionally well and will be ginned up about uh, the right, Bears this year. Right, especially since that'll be pretty early in the season. So they'll still be ginned up because the possibilities will still exist. That's right. So they gave him two early home games 
um, with a, a chance to sell out the stadium in their first two home games. Not with all Redskin fans, obviously, but it doesn't matter. They're not going to have an empty house for Dallas in week two I think or Chicago an, in week three. I think they'll have empty houses in both. Well, I tell you nah, what, they n- won't be full. Not for Dallas. Da- w- the Dallas will, game will be full. It won't be full. It'll be full. It'll be sold. Yeah, it'll be sold out. One o'clock game, week two, these Cowboy fans are pumped up for this upcoming season. The Bear fans are fired up. Okay, you may be for right. For the Bears for, for this upcoming season. Um, the Starting with three division opponents in the first four weeks and then closing with three is is unique. We haven't seen that a lot over the years. I also think, you know, as you look at the first five games, and you know my feeling on NFL schedules, that like, you know, half half the NFL teams each year that make the postseason are teams that you weren't expecting to make the postseason, and half the teams that missed it, you were like, oh, they were favorites. They should have been there. So you really, it's hard to predict who's going to be good and who isn't. But on paper right now, they will likely be an underdog in their first five games. It's a brutal start on paper. At Philly, Dallas at home, Chicago at home, even at the Giants, a road game, especially if they're one and two, you know, at that point, they could be an underdog there and they'll be an underdog more likely than not against the Patriots at home. That's five games that they could be an underdog. And with a with a program right now that needs a fast start. <laughs> they didn't that that part they didn't give them a break on. No, they didn't. Um, the Minnesota game as a Thursday night game is interesting. You know, it's not just the Kirk Cousins thing. It's Case Keenum potentially as a starter going back to Minnesota. Uh, I found that part to be, um, I I mean, I sort of saw saw some of that coming. Um, but, uh, overall, I mean, I don't know. What else did I have? Hold on. Uh, oh, one more thing. Um, the one more thing is this. The two primetime games, but the fact that the other 14 games are all 1 o'clock games. Now, they're not playing anybody on the West Coast, so they would have had a 4 o'clock East Coast time had they played anybody on the West Coast. But the fact that they're not in the second half of a doubleheader on Fox or CBS, even one time, especially against division opponents... This is the first time I can ever remember that all six of their division games are one o'clock games on Sunday. All six of them. Not one primetime game against the Giants, Cowboys, or Eagles, and not one late four o'clock window game against the Cowboys, Giants, or Eagles. Now, they could get flexed into a more attractive spot, but it is a clear sign from the league that the Redskins are irrelevant even a Redskins Cowboys matchup or a Redskins Eagles matchup or a Redskins Giants matchup not attractive no now to the, to, if, to the you, if you're a Redskins fan you probably don't particularly care about that because one o'clock starts for the most part you're probably happy with right oh personally well, I, most I love, Redskins fans I think uh, well I think they're they're happy about the no primetime games yeah. because of the record in primetime Monday night games are the worst they do have one Monday night game at home we know what the, tr- the traffic is to try to get to right. that Monday so night I, th- game. I think if you're a Redskins fan you're happy with the starting times of these games but you're right it does illustrate the standing of your franchise within the league Yes, the Reds. I mean, the Browns have four primetime games. The Redskins have two. But it, but again, it's more. It's more than just the primetime games. It's the fact that they're not featured as the second half of a doubleheader 
in any week all season long. They could be flexed into that flexed into that situation at some point down the road, but more likely than not, 14 of their 16 games are going to be 1 o'clock games. I know. Now, the final week of the season, based on competitive playoff situations, the Dallas game could be a 4 o'clock, late 4 o'clock game. But that is really, I cannot remember that ever being the case. Um, usually, one of the division games is primetime. Actually, usually, multiple division games are either primetime or second half of doubleheader games, right. 425 games on Fox. And they don't have one of them. Not, Not one. one of them. And if you're a Redskins fan, you're happy for two reasons. For one, for the one o'clock start. For two, the whole country doesn't have to see how embarrassing your team is. <laughs> okay, all right, stop. <laughs> By the way, um, as, as a means of comparing it, Dallas only has four of their 16 games scheduled for 1 o'clock. Every other game <laughs> is either in prime time or the second, the lead game of the second half That's of the so doubleheader. Galling. That's so galling. I know. I mean, they, the Dallas has five, uh, five primetime games, five primetime games, and five four twenty six. I'm sorry, four twenty five late window games. Seven. And my it, fault. And you know, I know they've been better than the Redskins, but it's not like they've no, done anything. They they just bounced back last year yeah. when it, when it looked like they were as done as the Redskins yes. were, and somehow they turned it around and won the division with great defense. And uh, they won a playoff game. They beat Seattle in the playoffs and won a playoff game. And now they've got, I mean, look at their schedule. New Orleans in prime time on a Sunday night. The Eagles on Sunday night football. Minnesota on Sunday night football. Uh, The Bears on Thursday night football. They've got their Thanksgiving Day game, which is against the Bills. Who cares? They've got a huge uh, second-half doubleheader game against the Packers, against the Rams, against the Eagles late. They also play second-half doubleheader games against the Giants and the Jets. The Cowboys are featured, again, just four 1 (laughs) o'clock Sunday games. That's it. Every other game is a main feature you know, national TV or mostly national televised game. Um, five night games, uh, primetime games, is, is a lot. And they'll probably, if they're good, one of those games late in the season could get flexed into primetime. Yeah. Anyway, I know you want to go through, which I don't want to do and I never do, but you want to go through game by game. What their record will be. All right, let's go through it. You really want to do this, right? You want to go game by game and pick... The, the Skins record? Do, I think when we've done this in the past, I've just sat back and listened to you do it. Well, no, you've done it too. But I want to hear what yours is because I'm going to guess right now the over-under on wins for your... Okay, well, don't do it yet. Don't well, If you have a number, do you have a number? Write it down and then show it to Aaron and we'll see if it's right. Uh, meanwhile, I'll start. Week one at the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, opening on the road for you know the second year in a row. Right. Uh, that's a loss. Okay. Philadelphia Eagles game is is a loss. Then they come home to face the Dallas Cowboys, the uh, NFC East Division champions. That's a loss as well. So they're zero and two. They come home week three. They're week three again. Uh, this is the mon- their Monday night appearance against the Bears. Against the Chicago Bears, a playoff team from last year who almost went beat the Eagles, save for a missed kick. Uh, the Chicago Bears, that's a loss. Mm, 0-3. So they're 0-3. Jay Gruden's still the coach at this point? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes, he is. Uh, week four at the New York Giants. 
Now, you know, the, the Giants are the Redskins' salvation in the NFC East for possibly not being the worst team in, in the division. That, that the, the Giants certainly maybe appear to be a candidate for that right now. But after starting the season 0-3 with the locker room sniping, the dysfunction that will be coming out of Redskins Park, the fireworks that will be flying out of Ashburn, they lose to the New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's a revenge game. Remember they, the last time they played them, they lost 40 to nothing. Right. They lose to the Giants. Well, that now they're 0-4 up Oof. in New York. Uh, but uh, it's, it's good news that New England's coming to town. Yes. New, New England is coming to town uh, for basically, basically it's going to be one of those like inter-squad practices for the that, Patriots? that the Patriots and the Redskins used to do, except they're going to charge you a lot of money to watch it, and there'll be referees, and, and they'll keep score this time. But basically, it's going to be like one of those you know shared practices they do they did with the Patriots down, down in Richmond. That's 0-5. Is Jay Gruden fired yet? Uh, you know, I didn't think so. That's, that, but that's the bye week. No, it isn't. No? No. Who do they play in week six? They go to at Miami. Oh, okay. At Miami. I don't think he's fired yet. Okay. Okay. At Miami, here is your first win. Okay. Because if he loses at Miami. Yeah. If he loses at Miami. As an 0 5 team. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you got him beating the Dolphins yeah. to go to 1 and 5. 1 here, and 5. All right. Here comes a bit of a run, I think. I, I can feel it coming okay. up here. The 49ers at home. Uh, the 49ers are either uh, on the verge of being good or on the verge of being a mess. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say mess. The West Coast team traveling east in this case. For a 1 o'clock start? For a 1 o'clock start. I'm saying the Redskins win their second game of two the season. Two and five. So two in a row. Two going, in a row. Going on a short week to face Kirk Cousins in Minneapolis. I don't know how the gods are going to dictate who should be rewarded in this game. I mean, because the gods will be watching this game. <laughs> the gods are? Yes. And, and, you know, Kirk has a special relationship with can, the guys. Can we talk to the high septum before the game <laughs> to get exactly what he would prefer? Because he's pretty strict. This is a loss. This is a loss. This is a Minnesota? loss on the road because the Vikings are just a much better team. All right, two and six now. Right. And now you got to go to Buffalo. Buffalo. Pretty bad team. Could, could they win three out of four here? By no, they're going to lose. <laughs> they're going to lose to Buffalo because Buffalo is a pretty good defensive team. And Lorenzo Alexander is going to probably have three sacks. And he's going to knock Josh Rosen out of the game. And Rosen will be hurt. Josh Rosen. Yes. And then Colt McCoy will be your starter the rest of the year. Two, uh, they're going into their bye week two and seven. Who, two, does anybody survive? Two and seven. Uh, well, I don't think Great Gruden survives then. I think he's fired in the bye week. Who becomes the head coach? Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan becomes the head coach. <laughs> Rob Ryan. Out of the bye week. Yes. Oh, by the way, to take on his former brother's team, the Jets. The Jets. At home. Not his former brother's. His brother's former team. Right. The Jets game is a loss. Okay. Two and eight. Two and eight. All right. Then Detroit at home. Detroit. Detroit is, you know, I can't, I, I can't believe they're still in the NFL. Detroit. I know they have a great quarterback, uh, and but uh, Matt Patricia, I have n- I have no regard for him as a head coach. Uh, and and this will be uh, after after getting their head handed to them by by the uh, Jets. Uh, Rob Ryan will bounce back and and beat the Lions here. So this is a Redskins All win. Right. Three and eight. People right. are starting to talk about Rob Ryan because maybe the Jet game was a close loss, and then they beat Detroit. All right, at Carolina. At Carolina, 
they don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. Who Carolina's quarterback? Yeah, because Cam Newton is hurt. They don't. I mean, there's been some talk that he may not even play this season. Period. Uh, I'm going to say at Carolina is a loss. <laughs> even though, <laughs> so you go through the whole quarterback situation there. Yeah, but it's still a loss to fall to three and nine. Right, with and then four games left at Green Bay Packers. Uh, going back to face. Their old quarterbacks coach, Matt LaFleur, who I'm assuming will still have a job by then. If things are going well, that's that's a Packers win. If things are going poorly for Matt LaFleur, that's a Packers win. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you're going to predict a win there. All right, 3-10. and ten. Okay, and so, then they play the Eagles at home. Yeah. And this, this could be a really big game. Could be a road game, too. Could be a home road yes, game. Yes, it could. Uh, that's a loss. <laughs> that's a loss, too. Right. 3-11. and 11. All right, how do they finish up this campaign of 2019? You're going to see the Giants-Cowboys finishing it up. You're going to see a miracle reverse from Redskins' seasons of last year. This time, they beat the Giants in the season finale. All right. This time it's not they, the season finale. Oh, it's not. No, it's the penultimate week. It's the next to last week. Oh, okay. Week. So, so you got them at 4-11. I got them at beating the Giants And in then that what game. happens against the and Cowboys? And then against the Cowboys, they just lose. So they're 4-12. and 12. Aaron, what number did I give you? Four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> Four and 12. I predicted it. Uh, You're on a roll, baby. So, I here. look, I'll go through it real quickly because somebody's saying, well, why won't Sheehan go through and give us the record? And I, yeah, I usually, but you don't care what I they usually say. Do, but but I, I, here's the thing. It's just such a – it's of so ridiculous. It is. There are teams – like you said, and you're 100% right, right about this, there are teams – who will be in the playoffs this year, who weren't in it last year, and there are teams who were in it last year who won't be in it this and year. And the problem with it is you have no idea which teams right. those are, right. which is precisely why looking at an NFL schedule. Here's the only thing you know about the schedule. The Patriots are probably going to be pretty good yes. when they come here in week five. Yeah, And, 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 and this speaks to this idea where the, uh, Bruce Allen and Jay Gruden keep saying we're close everybody's close to making the playoffs in the NFL, more or less. Of course, for the most part. Yes. Um, at Philly, uh, you know, Carson Wentz still, you know, he's still talking about a slow recovery from his injury Not from last year. Not a big Carson year. Wentz fan anymore. Why, because of what his teammates said about yeah. him? Yeah. Is that the only reason? Because yeah. he's a hell of a talent. Yeah. Um, by the way, who's who, who's Philadelphia's backup quarterback without Foles now? Nate Sudfeld. Is that the only backup yes. they have? Yes, it is. Okay. So it could be. Who and knows? they like Nate. Look at They've kept Nate Sudfeld on the roster now for three years. They must like him. Philadelphia's going to draft a quarterback um, this year. Uh, so, you know, if Wentz is there, it's a loss. Without Wentz, who knows? Maybe. See, this is why it's hard. Maybe you get a break and you don't have to face Wentz and you win your opener. Um, but, okay. that, but that's a loss. Okay. And then we, I'm going to go with Dallas-Chicago. They're going to win one of those two games. Really? I'm not sure which one it'll be. Um, I'm going Come to go on, ahead. pick one. I'll say they'll, they they lose to the Cowboys at home, but they beat the Bears okay, on a Monday so night at home. Okay, so you got them one and two. So I've got them one and two. Then they go to the Giants. The Giants are a mess, but the Giants are better than the Redskins. Um, so I ultim- ultimately, I think they'll split with the Giants. I think they'll lose this one to go to one and three, lose to the Patriots to go to one and four, beat Miami and beat San Francisco to give you hope at three and four going to Minnesota, for then it's like, hey, this is a big game to get to five hundred at the halfway mark by beating the Vikings in Minnesota. So you got them winning that game. No, I don't. They lose to the Vikings <laughs> to fall to three and five, and then they beat the Bills 
to be four and five going into that bye week. Which, by the way, what do we all what we we used to always ask for one thing: just give us an outside mathematical chance heading towards Thanksgiving. <laughs> and at four and five, uh, with a bye week, they come back against the Jets and the Lions back to back at home right. to get back in reasonably back into the wild card. So you've race. got to win in both those games. I've got them beating the Jets at home. And then a massive letdown loss as a favorite against the Lions. They lose to Detroit, which really, for all intents and purposes, ends the competitive portion of the season. I mean, they're still in it mathematically, but that Detroit game is going to be a pivotal game because they're looking at it thinking if they win and they're 6-5, and five, now they're legitimately in the wild card race. So what's they, their record now? They lose that game to fall to 5-6. and six. Okay. They go to Carolina. And they lose that game to fall to five and seven. Lose to Green Bay at Lambeau to go to five and eight. And then the Eagles game at home. Now the Redskins are out of it. They've been eliminated. And the Eagles are very much in it. They lose to the Eagles to go to five and nine. They beat the Giants to go to six and nine late in the season. And then the Dallas game is the difference between a six and ten season or a seven and nine season, and it'll depend on whether or not Dallas has something to right. play for. Right. If they don't, the Redskins might have a chance to get to seven and might, nine. Might have a chance, even if um, Dallas has nothing. But to play more for. likely than not, Dallas and Philadelphia, or you know, one of the two teams, is in a wild card race, and the Redskins lose that game. And this is what my gut feels been all along: is that they are a double digit loss team. Seven and nine wouldn't shock me. Um, anything better than eight and eight would be a complete stunner. But again, it's the NFL. Yes, you know, you never know. The Redskins could be healthy. Case Keenum could be a star. They could add a pass rusher, or Josh Rosen could be the star. They could add, add a couple of pieces. Landon Collins, you know, with everybody coming back healthy. Jordan, Re- I mean, there are a lot of things that could happen. More likely than not, though, the probability is something less than eight and eight. So I'll give them a six and ten season right now. By the way, that's exactly what their Vegas over-under number is, six wins. So I'm putting them right at the number in Vegas. I'm not suggesting that they're going to be terrible, um, and I'm not certainly suggesting that I am optimistic that they can you know, outperform. I think based on that over-under number, it feels like that's what they are going into the season, a six-win team. But to your point, it could unravel early. Yeah. And you you know, remember last year at the beginning of the season, I think we both thought, you know what, they got a chance to be eight and eight or nine and seven. Yes. You know, their defense should be much improved. Um, but if things go south, as I thought they were starting to go south in that New Orleans Monday night game, then, you know, with this group, things could really become internally a ugly. problem. Very ugly. And you could end up with a terrible season. But, you know uh, I'm I'm counting on the two C's. Collapse and chaos. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen a collapse season recently. No, we haven't. And we we have seen chaos at yes. times, but we haven't seen a collapse record-wise. I mean, Mike Shanahan's last year was a collapse. Yes. This will be Jay Gruden's last year, even if he well, finishes Jay Gruden's the year. Well, Jay Gruden's first year was a collapse, too. I know. That was a major collapse yes. down the stretch because you had major quarterback chaos. Yeah. You know, at that particular time with the Griffin thing, and you knew that you were headed towards what's our quarterback situation going to be in the future. Because you, well, had, I'm glad you know. they got that settled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's. I mean, are we done with schedule talk? I mean, a couple of things back back on the NFL schedule uh, as a whole. The um, it is interesting to see how much 
primetime action for at least the perceived you know, playoff type of teams you get this year. I, I think, and I, I forget if we've already mentioned this, but Buffalo doesn't have a primetime game. There used to be a rule that you had to have one primetime game. Buffalo doesn't have any. They've got the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, but that's it. You know, the perception of Cleveland going into this season gives them four, four for the Browns, primetime games. And by the way, three of them in the first six weeks of the season, first five weeks of the season, they're going to play twice on Monday night and once on Sunday night. Um, now that... let's let's talk about Cleveland just for a brief second okay. as it relates to the Redskins. The Browns should infuriate Redskins fans because it illustrates that if you have the right decision makers in place, how quickly you can turn things around. Well, they haven't turned them around yet. I know that, but but yeah. but the but they're expected to. They're expected to. I and, mean, the and you perception, saw signs of it, it last sh- year. It shows how quickly defense. the perception of your team can change if people believe in your decision makers. Well. Remember, the first group that started this decision-making process to essentially tank. Yes. For all, I mean, they didn't, you know, but they're gone now. Yes. So now you got a new group in. So sometimes it takes two groups. But the overall concept of let's accumulate draft choices and let's go super young in, in an effort to get and better let's down have, the road let's and let's not quality- worry about people picking in the draft let's not worry about two you know the next year or the next two years i i don't think that that strategy works all of the time in the nfl because it is a league designed to compete right away if you make the right moves in one to two off seasons but i think that would have been the right track for the redskins to take this year i think the redskins were at a point where especially without the solution at quarterback um, they they could have done themselves a better long term favor by trading Trent Williams, trading Ryan Kerrigan, acquiring picks, um, and really building up you know a a cupboard of of early to mid round picks over the next two to three years and gone in that direction. I think they could have done that. Well, the this one year, flaw, but they're not doing that. The one flaw in is that Bruce Allen is the people making the decisions. Right. Understood. Uh, As opposed to John Dorsey in Cleveland. That's right. I wanted to mention another thing about the schedule that I thought was interesting. So at the end of the year, if you look at week 16, you know that you, we've had these Saturday games late in the year. This year on Saturday, Tommy, of, of that holiday or going into Christmas holiday weekend, um, three a triple header. On Saturday, they've never done that before. I don't think on a Saturday of an NFL weekend, a triple header, and they hold five games right now. They did this last year for the Redskins uh, Titans Saturday game. They hold five games, and by week eight, they'll pick three of them. The other two will move to Sunday, and three of them will move to Saturday. And the Patriots are one of those games. It wouldn't surprise me if in week sixteen, the Patriots are playing a prime time game on a Saturday night. Um, you know what? You're going to see more and more flexing in part because there's a possibility that the NFL realizes, well, you know, the attendance is down. I mean, it, it, it's not really as important to, to worry about people making plans to go see games as it is to please our television sponsors. Oh, yeah. There, I think they've realized that for a while. But I think you're going to see it even more so now. You you've got uh, the the because another thing too, more and more more and more ticket buyers 
are making game-by-game ticket decisions. And that's another thing that comes into play. No doubt. Um, but, you know, sometimes flexing into that, that you know, night spot hurts their actual live attendance. Yes, I know. Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think the NFL values that as much as they do pleasing their TV Nor should partners. They. The preponderance of, of revenue comes from TV dollars. Um, we talked yesterday, Steelers-Patriots in that Sunday night game. You don't have to wait long for the Saints-Rams rematch. That's week two uh, in L.A., um, you've got games like during the course of the year, like Chiefs Patriots, all the way down in the schedule in, in December. Tommy, Chiefs at Patriots, the rematch of the AFC Championship game. Um, there are uh, the 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 Jets. Tommy don't play one game this year out of the Eastern Time Zone, <laughs> which is pretty hard to do. You would think. Yeah. Um, meantime, the Raiders, uh, you know, basically play. Uh, they, 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 I think they have to travel a record thirty eight thousand miles or something like that um, for their games, uh, including. Don't the Raiders have a game in London? I think one of their games is in London. The the Raiders have been featured a little bit in this schedule because of Antonio Brown and John Gruden, I guess, to a certain extent in year two. But they've got a couple, uh, I think they've got a couple of primetime games. And then they they do have a London game. Aren't the Raiders playing the Bengals in London? Or is is it somebody else? I would, I would, Chargers maybe? I would think that they do because, uh, I mean, they have a hard, they had a hard time finding a place to play at home as it was. So why would they care if they were going to London for a game? They'd seem like the obvious choice. Exactly. Who are the Raiders playing? Oh, they're playing the Bears. They're playing the uh, Bears uh, in October in London. Anyway, that's it on the NFL schedule. You want to talk about the Caps real quickly? They're, they've got a rather large game tonight. Yeah, yeah, they do. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of strange because I don't have a whole lot to say more than what I had to say Tuesday. I mean, it's been – I mean, you know, when I was on – Tuesday, uh, I talked about how Todd Reardon is kind of under the gun. Uh, before After game one, he talked about how much he and his coaching staff like the in-game adjustments that the playoffs bring and how, how that's so much fun right. for them. Well, he better be having some fun uh, for this game because uh, the adjustments are the key. How will the Caps respond to the onslaught of, of the Carolina attack? Uh, and And... Who's going to respond, if anybody, to the Ovechkin fight? Will there be any response from Carolina to the Ovechkin fight? And if there is, how would the Caps respond? These are not the kind of strategies that that Reardon hoped to be uh, worried about, but I think they're a worry. The big change in terms of Reardon making you know these adjustments in in series adjustments is moving Oshie to the top line. Um, with Backstrom and Ovechkin and moving Wilson to the second line with Kuznetsov and Verana. Um, I, I, Wilson and, and Ovechkin have been, and Backstrom have been great together yes, they have. here for a stretch. I, I'm wondering, and I don't know if you have a sense or if you have a real definitive opinion on this, but they won the first two games of the series. Now, they did get demolished in game three. I mean, they got, it was a one-sided blowout. Is it too early to make significant adjustments? Because he's made significant adjustments to lines and some of the defensive pairings that's as well. Pl- that's playoff hockey. You have to. You have to respond to what you saw in the last game. Because in, in hockey, just like a lot of things, but in hockey, each game is its own entity. Uh, you'll hear hockey people say this all the time. So you have to respond to what you saw uh, the last time and at least try to fix it. You have to do so. You can't stand pat 
in, in, in a 5 nothing beating like that, particularly since you saw some of the things that happened in Game 3 happen in Game 1 and 2. Two, you just got you just got away with it. You know, they didn't hurt you and turn you into a defeat. But uh, the issues that arose in Game 3 had, had been bubbling below the surface, so you have to respond. Uh, they, you know, the the, Pan- the Panthers, the, the Hurricanes the other night were without, you know, obviously um, the uh, the guy that, that Ovechkin knocked out, but they were also without Michael Furland, who suffered an upper body injury, and his... Uh, availability tonight so they they were down two wingers yeah and two offensive players in that game and still uh dominated the caps are a slight favorite tonight minus 125 favorite at carolina um i i honestly don't really know what that means i think they're giving carolina a decent chance uh vegas is to win game four and even up this series you weren't on the podcast yesterday but the caps are now the stanley cup favorites Right they, with Tampa out, with Tampa out, and, and Cal- with Calgary. Pittsburgh out, and with you know Calgary in trouble. Um, but even before Calgary was uh, in in trouble, the Caps became when when uh, Columbus beat Tampa Bay, they became the Stanley Cup favorites. And Columbus is actually the second pick now to I win the be- cup. I can believe that to win the cup. I can believe that. I like the Caps' chances tonight to bounce back. I'm going to believe in what I've been told over and over again by these players going into this series that they learned something about responding last year that will make them when they hit the ice uh their for, and and if they're down one nothing in this game their first move won't be to say oh no same old caps i like the caps tonight i don't have a feel for it one way one way or the other the only thing that um i think is true and i think we talked about this on tuesday uh is that the caps have been outplayed in most of these games. Well, yeah, this is why... In, in the three games, why, the majority of time, I think, in the three games, so in the 180 minutes, I think the majority uh, of those 180 minutes have been the, the Hurricanes outplaying the Caps. This is why... Doesn't matter in hockey. You need but, this response because it's not just based on what you saw in Game 3. It's what you've been seeing in the series. The Caps have to generate more offensive pressure in Carolina's zone, continuous offensive pressure. Are the Caps uh, – what, what were the Caps this year against the Islanders? I mean, I, I, I want to see that series. I want to see so trots against the Caps. Yeah. But wh- how did they do against the, the Islanders this year? I don't know. Year? This is such a great hockey segment. They played them at the end of the year and lost in that final game. Right. I remember that. Um, hold on. I'm going to tell you what, it, what they did against the Islanders this year. Why can't we just gloss over it? Because I'm actually interested now because they might uh, – where are the games against the Islanders? All right, they lost two to nothing on January eighteenth. They, I thought they played them before then. Beat beat them three to one in in March, and they lost to them in April. Looks like I thought they played them in the first week. Out, up and up and they did. Yeah, uh, they beat them four one. Yeah, in November. Yeah. They did? Yeah. Oh, there it is. The yeah. 4-1 win late November. That wasn't the first week of the okay. season. The first right. week of the season is early October. Right. They, they split it 2-2. Okay. Yeah, 2-2. Two, two. All right. Uh, all that hockey conversation here on the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast is presented by 
Mama Lucia restaurants. And right now, Mama Lucia's has a great Caps hockey special. It includes a chicken parmesan dinner and large pizza, which we got brought into us the other day. It's priced already at a discount at $30. But if you order online at MamaLuciaRestaurants.com, use my promo code, Kevin Caps. You get $10 more off making it a great deal for just $20. That's MamaLuciaRestaurants.com. Use my promo code, all lowercase, Kevin Caps. Pickup or delivery is offered. And if you're outside the market and you want to order the Mama Lucia Caps special for somebody in town, call 443-532-5186. That's 443-532-5186, and you can get that special as well. Don't if forget. You use my promo code. This is Alex Ovechkin's pregame meal when he when he's home. I know, Mama yeah. Lucia's. Yeah, David. David yes. feeds uh, David. Mama Lucia feed yeah. uh, Alex Ovechkin every game day, yeah. uh, home game day. Uh, and we were fed quite uh, quite well the other day. Yes, we were. It was great. You were so happy to to have that pizza in front of you. Uh, there's there's very little that makes him happy. He's really old, crotchety, and That's, ornery. None of this and, is true. And all of that is true. But That's if not you, true at all. But if you put cheese pizza and Mama Lucia's cheese pizza in front of him, you'd, <laughs> he lights up like a... In fact, I think if I had given him the pizza before he went through the skin schedule, Skins may have had eight wins <laughs> had I give it, given it to him uh, then. Um, Want to get to the Nats a little bit and get to Josh Rosen in a little bit. Quick word, though, on... Window Nation. Window Nation right now is having their annual spring cleaning sales event. Are your windows having issues, cracks, hard to open, unusual moisture, or are you just window shopping? Call Window Nation today and schedule a free in-home estimate. Window Nation will save you 33% off your entire purchase. Window siding and doors. Get upfront pricing, no hidden terms, just 33% off every style of window, house of siding, and all doors, and it includes labor. Plus, for the next two weeks, you'll save even more with 0% interest for five full years on your entire purchase. That's 0% interest until 2024. Get a jump on your spring cleanup. Call Window Nation today. Ask for Harley, Aaron, Eric if you want. Tell them I told you to call. Every one of their windows is installed by factory-trained professionals, guaranteed to be done right the first time. Every window backed by a company with an A-plus Better Business Bureau ranking with over 10,000 positive online reviews. There are lots of reasons Window Nation has installed over 475,000 windows in more than 80,000 homes, including mine. Lots of reasons to do so. The biggest right now is you've got nothing to lose. Free in-home estimate. You'll get the 33% off your entire purchase Plus, you'll get 0% until 2024 on interest. Hurry, these off-season savings won't last long. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Wanted to bring up um, Josh Rosen here for a moment. And it's, I, I love some of you who say, hey, enough about Josh Rosen. We're doing draft talk too. Ben Standig was on with me for 45 minutes yesterday, and we were talking about draft. But this is a major story, what the Cardinals are going to do with Josh Rosen, if they are indeed going to select Kyler Murray number one overall. And the Redskins are at the top of the list of the teams that most of the NFL pundits and NFL reporters believe uh, are more likely than not one of maybe two or three landing spots for Rosen if they trade him. Now, my prediction yesterday, Tommy, my updated thought anyway, is that a Rosen deal won't happen. Based on the way you went through their schedule, you believe that it more likely than not will happen. 
But there was some interesting. Um, uh, there was an interesting piece of of news out of Arizona yesterday, and it was something from their marketing department. They had a promo video for the 2019 schedule release. And a lot of their key players, Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson, Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick, were all featured. One player noticeably missing (laughs) from the video was Josh Rosen. And this was, uh, you know, a bit of a story last night on some of the schedule shows and this morning is that, you know, they are purposefully, this guy was their starting quarterback last year. Let's not forget that, that this was obviously intentional because they are not sure as to whether or not he's going to be on the roster, or perhaps they are sure he's going to be on the roster, but they're not sure he's going to be the starter because they're going to take Kyler Murray. But this would seem to be another indication potentially that the Cardinals are going to deal Josh Rosen, or they're just going to take Kyler Murray. It's, it's, when you think about it, it's brilliant marketing when you can make a video go viral based on who isn't in it. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, I mean, this is their their team video, promotional video is is news because of who's not in it. So that's kind of brilliant, actually. Didn't this happen a few years ago with a a video, or maybe it was the tickets that were printed, the season tickets, and a certain Redskin? I'm trying to think who it was. Was it? Oh, I think it may, may have been Hainsworth. We may be going back uh, many years where Hainsworth was not one of the players, like maybe going into that 2010 season that was put on the season tickets. Well, maybe you, that's what I'm thinking in of. Other words, well, it was that, like Mike Shanahan Mike said, Shanahan. he's probably not going to be here, so yeah. you may not want to do yeah. that. Yeah, that would have been a Shanahan decision um, or a Shanahan influence decision. So go ahead. Uh, as far as Josh Rosen and, and where he's going to wind up, I don't see how he stays with the Cardinals. I don't see – I don't understand how you can possibly draft Kyler Murray – and keep Josh Rosen, uh, it, it just doesn't add up. The trade value, I mean, you're looking, teams are looking to trade, the value that you're going to get are, are 2020 draft picks, or, or 2019 draft picks, I mean. So if you trade Josh Rosen after the draft, you're talking about acquiring draft choices from a year later. Who wants to wait that long? Who wants to wait that long for for to to for uh, a return on your investment, a return on your trade? You know, because you've already drafted the guys. I mean, the draft is over. You can't trade Josh Rosen once the draft is over. That's ridiculous. So he's, if he's going to get traded, it's going to be before the draft. Nobody seems to think this is going to happen. But to me, if I'm if I'm a sensible NFL coach and I and I I've got to know Josh Rosen. As compared to before, when I didn't have the job, at, 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 you know, before Kingsbury got hired, I've gotten to know Josh Rosen, and I'm saying to myself, you know, this guy's a pretty good quarterback. This guy is 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 pretty good and can lead this team, and I can win with this guy. The other guy might be better, who I have a chance to take, but I can win with this guy, and I can win with this guy. Trade that number one pick. Get a couple of number ones, get a couple of number twos, and maybe a number three. And every coach starting out in a brand new coaching job likes nothing better than to acquire numerous draft picks to build his team. So I, no one's talking about it, so it's probably not going to happen. But if you think jo- you can win with Josh Rosen, why aren't you trading that number one pick? Um, 
Well, there's still time to do that. Uh, one of the reasons you wouldn't is because you have potential um, very high – well, you do. You have very highly rated defensive pass rushers, Nick Bosa in particular at the top of the draft, that you may not want to pass on. You may want to say, you know what, this player's too good. He's too much of an impact on a team's defense for the next decade. And, yeah, we could get a lot back in return, but we're not going to get anybody like Nick Bosa. That would be one of the reasons. So – you know, one of the things that I, I didn't mention yesterday or I didn't emphasize enough, and I was but, just thinking about this. But if you're this. trading with the Giants, or if you're trading that number one pick with any of the teams that basically, like, let, let's say, you're right. I mean, Nick Bosa, that, that that's a good point. Okay, I get that now. I mean, if they, if they think Nick Bosa is the next Joey Bosa without the injuries or yeah. Von Miller, you know, I mean, a massive disruptive defensive force, you know, an MVP defensive kind of player, you may not want to pass on that. But I mean, then, then you're not drafting Kyler Murray then either. Well, that's right, unless you were going to barely trade down a spot. But San Francisco doesn't need a quarterback. Um, the the Jets don't need a quarterback. And the Raiders are that first spot where you potentially could, could make a deal. And there's no way Bosa lasts to number four right. if that's a guy you want. I, I was here's here's the one I, I we I, we just don't know yet for sure about Kyler Murray. I do think that more likely than not, like massively more likely than not, they're not going to keep Josh Rosen if they draft no. Kyler Murray. That just is not productive. And even though rookie deals and it's cheap, you drafted a guy last year, you you've said the nicest things about him, by the way, and you gave him your starting job there, you know, after the first couple of weeks and you had a terrible team around him. It wasn't a particularly well-coached team also. Um and you're probably, you know, at this point given the the years left on his contract which right now is super attractive and then next year becomes less attractive because there are fewer years left right. on the rookie year even though you've got the fifth year option, now's the time to deal him. You avoid all of the, you know, Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen back-to-back first-round picks being in camp together. Yeah, you can't you know, do that. Yeah, I don't think they can do that. I don't so, think they can. But I think what we're going to find is we're going to find that this goes up until, you know, the day before or even the day of, that they're going to wait until somebody says, I am willing to give up a first-round pick. That may be, Tommy, New England at the yes, end of the draft. It may be. The Chargers towards the back half of the draft. Yeah. You know, looking for the quarterback to replace Rivers and or uh, and, Brady. Uh, and Brady. Um, or it could be the Giants saying, you know what, we'll give you 17 for Rosen. We're not going to give you six for Rosen, but we'll give you 17. I don't think the Redskins are going to give up 15. That is sort of what I've heard that they are, they've inquired about what Josh Rosen is worth. And the Cardinals are saying, your first-round pick, and the Redskins are saying, not interested. Again, to me, the exercise starts, and I've mentioned this many times, including with you. The exercise starts by putting Josh Rosen into your 2019, you know, onto your 2019 draft board. Where does he rank on your draft board? Where is he? Does he, does he have a first-round grade? Does he have a mid-first-round grade? Then why wouldn't you right. potentially give up your first-round pick, especially given the importance of the position? Um, and the fact that you've got four years left, three years left on the rookie deal with a fifth-year option, so three years left, really, on the rookie deal. And, by the way, all of that upfront money's already been paid. Yes. You're, you're talking about salary only. It's a great deal if you really like him. 
Um, the other part of this is that this draft is loaded with defensive stars that people think are going to be defensive stars, and some of those players may fall to 15. So now you're weighing, you know, Josh Rosen, the quarterback position, who we've got, you know, as a marginal first rounder versus a guy that we think we could get at 15 that in another draft would be an easy top seven pick. Uh, you know, I. I my guess right now is what it was yesterday. No one Rosen, they stay at 15, and they end up drafting a defensive player. A pass rusher more likely than not. I think they draft a quarterback. I don't think they trade for Rosen. I think they draft a quarterback. What would really annoy me is if they draft a quarterback that they liked um, and they at 15 versus giving up 15 for a quarterback that they had ranked or rated higher in Rosen if that will do it. I'm not for giving up 15 for Rosen. I, I mean, I obviously, I don't think any Redskin fan at this point, I, I don't know, maybe some of you aren't big Rosen fans. I think actually a lot of you aren't big Rosen fans. But I would be totally in favor of a second, third, and a future pick. Absolutely, um, in this draft. But if the Redskins don't make that move on the quarterback, remember, Bruce Allen is already, you know, has already self-congratulated himself for the Case Keenum move. Yes. So he wants to be proven right on Case Keenum as well. That's true. So if it's Case Keenum, you know, and Josh Rosen, I still think if you trade for Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen's it's your, your starter. starter. So do I. Not everybody feels that way. No, but uh, I, I, I'm 100% with you on that. We'll get to Scott Van Pelt here in a moment. Quick word about Farish Chrysler Dodge Jeep in Fairfax. Farish should be on your list if you're considering something new. I actually had a friend of mine call me, said he was out talking to Ralph uh, last weekend or the weekend before, and they were looking for something new, and it went well for them. And I, I promise you, if you call Ralph Perkins or if you just stop in at Farish, he's usually in the store, and you're looking for something new. Obviously, a Chrysler, a Dodge, a Jeep. They've also got a Subaru dealership. They will take good care of you. Right now, best rebates of the year, especially on the Jeeps, the Cherokee, the Grand Cherokee, and the Jeep Wrangler. Uh, they've got good deals right now on the Ram pickups as well. If you like this show and you're thinking about buying something new, I give you my word that you will be taken good care of if you head out to Farish and Fairfax and ask for Ralph Perkins. They are located right there in Fairfax Circle. Ask for Ralph when you get there. Tell them that I sent you. You can also find out everything you need to know. Live inventory, live pricing, their best deals at FarishCars.com. All right, let's bring in Scott Van Pelt for his weekly visit. He's thrilled to be here this week because he's on vacation, <laughs> and I have interrupted him, uh, and he has uh, done so uh, at great uh, inconvenience. You know, you must, have saved, you must have saved this guy's life at some point in, in your relationship for him to put up with you like he does. You know what? He's been incredibly generous yes. doing this over the years. And Start I, asking questions now. And I hope <laughs> and I hope he's enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed it. And let's hope it doesn't end right here and now. Uh, <laughs> We're all good. Everything's fine. <laughs> all right. Let's I, I actually almost called you. Maybe it would have been better had you come on, on Monday, but I just figured we'd wait until Thursday because this is your normal sure. spot and this is when people, you know, know to tune into the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast because Van Pelt's going to be on. Um, you were there last weekend at Augusta. Compare it to all of the great sporting events you've ever been to. It was something, man. And, I mean, reading Nance say it's the best event I've ever covered and consider the scope of his career, right? I mean, I'm thinking, well, I wasn't there when Jack won in 86. Well, Nance was. And you've got him in the post saying it's the greatest event, the best event I've ever covered. Um, it, 
it's it, it just happens, so it's hard in the in the haze of all of that to, to really be um, reasonable, I suppose, about it, Kevin. But I just I've never seen anything like that there, and because it was him, and because it's 22 years removed from the first one, 14 years removed since the last one, uh, the symmetry of the of the of the kid hugging the dad, now the dad hugging the kids, the noise. The, the, the sustained roar of people chanting his name, the people he had to beat uh, down the second nine. I mean, like, it's just, it, it, I can't think of anything that felt more significant or that was received the way it was from the people. It was absolutely remarkable. I think you mentioned something that's really important because a lot of these, you know, uh, people that haven't paid attention to the sport and are just tuning in, they're like, oh, that's great. Tiger Woods won the Masters and and yet it wasn't flukish. Like there was nothing flukish about it. Rory wasn't there. Justin Rose wasn't there on the back nine on Sunday. But a lot of big name, heavy hitting young players were, including Brooks Kepka, who never breaks and he missed the putt on 18. And Molinari that it seemed like he would never break and, and certainly didn't at the British Open over the summer when Tiger had the lead going to the back nine. He, he won this thing against some of the best. Eight of the top 15 in the world finished in the top 10 this, uh, this, this Masters. And the fact that Kepka was there waiting for him the way um, Tiger waited for Kepka at the PGA when the roles were reversed and Tiger finished a shot behind. This time he finished a shot ahead. And did Tiger get some help from Molinari? Yeah, he absolutely did. Uh, Molinari makes the big number on 12. Well, Tiger made double on 11 in the open and, and, and handed the lead back to the field that Sunday at the, at the Open last year at Carnoustie. So a lot of times, major championship golf fe- features some sort of a wreck in the last turn. You know, that, that's not unusual. In this case, Molinari made two big numbers. Um, but you had Dustin Johnson there. You had Kepka there. You had, as you say, most of the heavy hitters in the sport. But, frankly, th- those guys are all role players to the star that is Tiger. And... You know that that's that scene on 18, um, and just the the explosion of emotion out of him, and then you know out of tens of thousands of people who again they just they wouldn't stop yelling, it, it, they just wouldn't stop chanting his name. It was just I don't know, man. Like it was it was really something, and and people had waited a long time to see it, and there were lots of folks that thought it thought it would never happen again, um, and now it has. And then we we waited for. Four and a half seconds before it turned into you know, can he catch Jack? <laughs> Who the hell knows if he can catch Jack? <laughs> but he's one, he's one closer. You know, he's one closer now, and that's that's one closer that nobody really were, was even entertaining a year ago. So it was, you know. I do I do want to talk about what's next, but okay. with respect to Sunday, I'm sitting there watching. You're there. I just didn't think Molinari would break, and I thought that Kepka would ultimately win anyway. And so I was curious as to, as you were watching it, were you expecting him to win it? He was no. close, but... No, I didn't, because I didn't, I'd never expected Molinari to blink. I yeah. mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't make, you know, he didn't wobble. And then he went from not wobbling to wheels falling off. I mean, you make two doubles on 12 and 15, and, and you... You can't win, especially when when Tiger's making the smart play on twelve and Tiger's making birdie on fifteen. Um, 
I didn't expect I didn't expect it to happen like that. Um, and Kepka had great looks on 17 and 18, but you know, over the course of a tournament, Tiger had great looks on 17 and 18 Saturday. Yeah. You know, he, he he had great looks on 17 and 18 Saturday, and he just missed both of those putts. So. I mean, 72 holes, it's understandable that you focus on the last couple because they're the last couple. But um, I, I, on balance, Tiger made the, made the fewest mistakes and put himself into the position where he could afford to make five uh, on 18 and, and still win. So, um, you know, the, the fact that he has now in his last three majors gone sixth at the Open, second at the PGA, and now win the Masters with a win at Eastlake in the middle – and the fact that now they go to best page for the PGA and Pebble for the U.S. Open, where he's won, it, it does reasonably uh, change the conversation about well, is it possible he could add another this year? I mean, sure. Why? I mean, why not? The la- look at the last three majors. I don't know who else is other than Kepka and, and Molinari. I mean, I don't know who others. The profiles of all those guys are pretty much similar. You know, they've all got a win and they've all got high finishes in the other tournaments. Um, but by the way, and Tommy wants to get in here too. But I. I all of the talk about Molinari and Kepka on on the back nine, you know, Finau's double turned out to be a massive double bogey at twelve two because with with the exception of that tee shot, he actually played really well, and he would have been right there had he not messed up on twelve. True, and he was the guy that I had picked uh, yeah, in the weekend. That was that, that was my pick, and I and I I like I just I like everything about his game, and it was wasn't it funny? I, and I I say this like you guys were watching the press conference. I don't know if you saw it, but. When someone asked Tiger about Finau after he won, just to see Tiger just kind of roll his eyes and go, he just rolled his eyes and, and, and went, God, he hits it so far. Right. Talking about somebody else. Talking about Finau, a guy that takes the club back about halfway and then hits it 340. He, he's really, really got a ton of game. Um, and is a guy who, you know, will be in the mix for years to come uh, as he figures out how to play uh, in the majors. Okay, I'm going to try to play here and play nice. Uh, Thank you. Okay. Uh, is is ESPN, uh, the PGA, marketers, the whole golf industry, are they gearing up for a new Tiger surge? Um, it, it, meaning what? Like something like we saw in the past? Well, not exactly it, but... like we saw in the past, but but right. Kevin's right. This wasn't a fluke. Uh, no. And as long as he stays healthy, he has his game under control where you have to consider – he really does have a chance to to win other majors in the future. I think I think right now he has to prove to you that that he's not capable of doing that. I think his performance at the Masters shows that he is. So I would if if I'm in the golf business right now, I'm ready to pounce on however quickly, however long or short this next Tiger surge is. Sure. I mean, listen, if you're if you're in the business of covering the sport and next year the PGA championship is, is actually on our air the first couple of rounds. Um, and, you know, moving forward, obviously we, we hope that the, the first couple of rounds of the masters is as well, but you, you, um, anybody that makes their business covering the sport is, is absolutely hoping that that's the case, but you make the, you make the point for me, Tommy, that, yeah, just look at his, look at his last, uh, last year's worth of results in the biggest events. I mean, he's been right there with a chance far more often than he has not. So that's that's the best you can hope for, you know, for, for a 43 year old guy with a fuse back who raises the, you know, he is the singular tide that raises all the other boats, you know. So absolutely, people are, are hoping that that's the case. 
By the way, I was thinking about Beth Page and Pebble Beach earlier in the week talking to Tommy, and you know we know what the ratings were with a morning start in in the final round on Sunday. You know the crowds at Beth Page, you know, are are raucous to begin with. If he's in the, in contention there, it's going to be out of control. But if he's in contention at Pebble Beach with primetime golf on the East Coast. The, mm-hmm. That'll be it. That'll be the. I, I bet we see some of the biggest numbers in terms of viewership that we've ever seen. If he's in contention at Pebble, with you know, it's always my favorite when they play a West Coast U.S. Open because you get to watch it until ten o'clock at night. Um, but that that that's in play here uh, over the next you know couple of months. I, I love the new schedule, by the way. Getting these, you know, every month having a major. I don't know how you feel. I, about I agree. It. I think I, I think it, it just it creates a momentum. There's no lull. There's no lag. And then, I mean, the PGA th- for through the years has sneaky been a great tournament. It's been uh, it's been compelling. It's been close. It's been great courses. It's the kind of thing that it, of course it's it's everything. I mean, it's everything you'd want sports to be. Other than the fact that it gets lumped into this August time frame where people are already thinking about football and. And so many people are on vacation that they can't be troubled to pay attention. Now it falls in a, in a schedule where off the momentum of Augusta, which this year has got the most momentum it could possibly have, and the fact that you go to Beth Page where Tigers won, I mean, you, you'll you capitalize on that in a way that, that you would not have otherwise. So I'm, I'm with you. I like the fact that you get – you know, April, May, June, and July with, you know, the, the players in March to get the whole thing going. All right. So the, the conversation about what's next here in a moment, but I, I don't know that I've ever talked to you about this, not on the podcast. I don't even think off the air. The, the debate in Barry's Verluga wrote about it in the post, and I had him on the show yesterday. Where do you come in on Tiger versus Jack? It's hard for me, you know, Kevin, because my entire professional life has has really mirrored woods i mean the first major i covered was 97 at at augusta and i don't know how many of the 15 that he's won that i've attended most of them um jack for me is a guy that was someone i knew about obviously my dad loved him i remember watching with my dad 86 and and him explaining you know man what a significant deal this was i i knew but i mean it it was really big to him because he loved jack but i mean it's so hard for me to know because I didn't experience Nicholas the way I experienced Tiger. Um, it, Ty, look, the, the number for Jack is still 18, and, and that remains the, this, the, the, the mark on the wall. That's the guy Tiger has been gunning for his entire life. Um, the, 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 way, the world we live in now magnifies everything to such a degree that it distorts, like a funhouse mirror. What does Verluga say? Did he say it's still Nicholas? Uh, he just said it's now much more of a debate than it's ever been. And Why? I, um, I, I guess I, I. You know what? The the reasons why um, were slightly vague, and I don't. I'm not trying to be critical, but we were all over the place yesterday in in talking about it. But you know, you've mentioned this before to me. Like you know, Jack's second place finishes at ma- at, at the majors. What is it like twenty something of them? Second place finishes at, at majors, and then and then you, you match. You talk about all the years that Tiger didn't have a chance to play in these majors here recently, and how many would he have? And then you know the cut totals, et cetera. Like Tiger's you know made cut streak. What was it there for a while? It was comp- you know unprecedented. Well, he did, he, he... Yeah, he didn't miss cuts for for like a decade. I mean, just he didn't miss cuts. I mean, he just if he played, he was there. There there are a lot of things that, that the Tiger didn't finish second as many times as Jack did, and Jack had right. a run there where he 
you know, he, he almost never, this is it's like quadruple negatives here, but what I'm saying is that if there was a major, he was in the mix always. And um, I, I just, the, the, the world we occupy now, the, the way social media, the way media, the way, the way the whole of what we do magnifies any one thing. Like this one now means, okay, now he's going to pull the jack, now he's going to catch Jack from, well, he's dead and buried before this week. I just don't think we're really good at nuance. I don't think we're really good at being reasonable in the moment. Um, to, you know, 18 still 18. Uh, and I just, I, I just shrugged because I had such a, a close seat to what Tiger did that it's so hard for me to be reasonable. Um, and, and, and to know what one versus the other is. Cause like I get Andy North going and he's like, look at who, look at who Nick was played against in terms of Palmer player, Watson, Weisskopf, this, that, and the other thing, like this, this, and, and you throw in um, guys like, uh, I mean, you could keep going down, down the list of Floyd, guys like that, that were, that were, that were considered greats. And my counter to, to, to Andy is, well, sure, there's, there aren't five guys that are that good, but there are 30 guys that are better than the 30 that, that Jack had to deal with. You know what I mean? The depth of Not the Not to mention now. the international so, field in, of in players of that Jack it, didn't it, have to face. Not to the degree. I mean, it's not like it's it's not like it's not wasn't a worldwide. No, game I understand that, way, but not to this level. Not to this level of depth. So, I don't know. I think I just said a whole lot of words and didn't answer the question. I, I just, oh no, you did. You did. There, there. There's one number that that solves 18. the debate. That's it. Eighteen. I mean, that's right. the number that that puts to rest the debate. Jack's uh, second place finishes in majors. Nineteen of them. Um, and, and I think Woods has seven uh, second-place uh, finishes in majors, which is still a hell of a lot. I, I think one of the interesting things in talking about the major championship thing is, like, you know, now it's in play and everybody's like, how many is he going to win? And, you know, the, he's the favorite here coming up at Bethpage. But, like, to win three more majors would equal some Hall of Fame careers. To win four more would definitely match some Hall of Fame careers, like Ernie Els as an example, Raymond Floyd as an example. And it's a lot of majors to win to get to 18 or 19. Thank you. Just, just think of it this way. If t- for Tiger to win three more majors, three more majors, three would equal the, the number of majors won by Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose, and Justin Thomas. Pick a, another guy with one. Each one has only one. And those are three excellent players that you're going to have to beat every single week that you try to win a major. So those guys have three in total. Total. So um, it's, it's the idea that he'll just go like it's just like going to the grocery store to pick up some eggs and some milk. Well, I'll just go grab three more majors. I mean, no, that ain't how it works, man. So to me, if, if even if this is the only one, the fact that it happened at Augusta magnifies it to such a degree. Because if it happens at Beth Page or Pebble, that's fine. Augusta totally frames it differently because that's where it started, because of dad, because of his kids being there this time. Like this was really, really something special, and it can't be as special. Anywhere else, I really don't believe. Um, I, I've mentioned this a few times um, this week, and I, I don't want to get so hung up on it. But I, I did. I, I thought a lot about like the greatest comebacks in the history of sports, and I know we're always sort of reacting to the most recent thing that we've seen. With that said, I do believe. And by the way, read Adam Kilgore's story in the Post about the you know the specifics of of all the back surgeries, which you know I loved um, reading, but. There's nothing comparable, unless unless it's Hogan, and I don't know about you know th- those years. 
Um, the only thing for me that's close is actually what Agassi did. Agassi was done. You know, he was ranked 141st in the world. He had to play satellite tour events and then had a second act to his career that included five majors. Like, and I don't think that gets built up enough in terms of, of the, the, the unexpected turn and second act in Agassi's career. So you're not including boxing then? Well, Ali won that title, that third title against Leon Spinks. No, I'm talking about when Ali beat Foreman for the title. After a three-and-a-half-year layoff, where they took the title away from That's him. That's a great second That's... act of three and a half years off and losing to Frazier first. Right. And then beating Frazier and then getting Foreman. Right. And then and, and the one guy of the biggest beat, upsets of all time. The guy he beat in 74, Foreman, yeah. basically retiring from boxing for 10 years. The Foreman comeback's amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you exclude, but, but, those but, are the two. But no me. question. But, but, but here's yeah. the thing, guys. The, the surgery that Tiger That's... Woods had was the surgery you have to try to have a normal life when you're going, you know what, not I'm not going to gonna be able to play golf anymore, but I want to be able to live like a human. So you can fuse my back and, okay, I'll punt on my career. I've had a hell of a run, but I, this is what I have to do to function as a human. And then you're like, oh, wait, I can still swing? Cool. Then you go out and you beat this, this generation of players that you spawned. Who, who, who are the they are the Frankenstein's that you cr- that were created in the lab to try to be you, and then you beat them at 43 with a, a, a bald spot and a fused back. Like that's what frames this one to me as really on its own island. I don't know what else is like that. I agree with you. The Foreman thing, Tommy, I'll, I'll admit I sort of forgot about, but him coming back and winning the title at 45 years old is yeah. quite a, an unbelievable <laughs> yeah. um, thing. Um, but, you know, it's mano a mano, not mono versus well, another 175 golfers. I, or I get that. But if we're going to go that route, yeah, one of them's boxing. The other one's golf. <laughs> okay? <laughs> if, you, if you're going to drive down that road... So right, one of them's right, boxing, one of them's, one of them's you in the head. Right. Yeah, you, 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 don't, you don't get punched in the head. I understand. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is well put, Tommy. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, my, my mock NFL schedule, I got four right on the Redskins yes, schedule. Yes, it's quite the accomplishment. One of my that and the that and the Mr. Tony fake winner uh, forecast. Those are those are two things that I know you put a great deal of time and effort actually, into. And that, I, actually, that's neither really I put very much time into. And um, I know you just kind of wing it. Yeah. Would you did have, did you how many Monday night games did you guess? Uh, I, I I got it right. I said they're going to play two primetime games: a Monday night game and a Thursday night game. And I got I got yeah. that right. And what do you uh, get for that? What do you um, get for that? Just the, actually, just the immense satisfaction actually, of getting something right that no one cares about or, or no, does other so, than you? Something much better. I actually get my longtime radio partner to compliment me about any about something. And he did that. He did that this morning. It was great. It felt unbelievable because it never happens. You know, if the Redskins if the Redskins were smart, and mm-hmm. we know they're not, they would market something like this and do something like this as a pre schedule event. And invite fans to a bar to pick to predict okay. the schedule, and the, the fan who gets the closest wins tickets. Right, it'd well, be a great promotional event. It's it's become a little cottage industry. That yes, it many, has. Many of I, I saw a lot I more people do it now than ever before. By the way, just as an aside, nothing to do with the mock schedule. I I do find it interesting, and I mentioned this to Tommy earlier that you know your network and NFL Network have these big two hour you know schedule release shows, which I think is about ten years old. They started it maybe a decade ago, and now yesterday. 
really was the ultimate because we've seen leaks in the past during the day of yesterday you basically had half the team's entire schedules by late afternoon like these teams are just leaking them when they get them I don't, I don't know I mean it can't help the coverage of, of the schedule show and I don't know if it does ratings anyway it must do something the fact that they're doing it but anyway yeah but the I, the, I mean like, uh, uh, this, gonna... isn't, this isn't like uh, – it's not like the Powerball numbers, man. Like everybody knows who you're playing already. It's yes, just a matter of what, what, what order. So I don't know. I mean, I saw everybody's, everybody was tweeting out these, you know, this social media account, that social media account. I mean, everybody's in the game, you know, race to get the, fun, the, the, the best jokes off on the Internet. So I guess people can't wait till the television shows come on to get their jokes off on Twitter. I guess, I don't know. Who cares? Kevin, he's trying to diminish your yeah, accomplishment. I, I, I'm trying to promote I it. I knew exactly when he started to talk there that he was about to mock me, you know, however, I'm not mocking however you. subtly. I don't, however subtly. I, don't care. I know. Well, most people don't, and you know what? They shouldn't. It's a schedule, and it, all it is is about dates and times. It's Time. the only only thing. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and whether or not you're going to play on a holiday. Unfortunately, and, and for the, the first time in four years, the Redskins aren't but, playing on Thanksgiving. Well, the one thing that it says this year is that they couldn't find a day in in an hour in the day to completely hide the Redskins from total view. So they selected <laughs> one o'clock. <laughs> Fourteen of their sixteen games are scheduled for one o'clock on Sunday. It, I yeah, mean, well, yeah. Uh, actually, I do have one other. Question. Can I go to the beach? No, or one, do I no, have to no. Keep one talking o- about this? actually Jesus one other. Christ. One other quick thing because I know you're into this. Um, how do you explain, other than it's just hockey, Tampa losing in four straight to Columbus? It's honestly incredible, and I'm happy that I had this week off uh, to just be off. But I, I would love to have just talked to Barry or Bucci or Levy or all of them about trying to frame this because. This truly is an amazing thing. Like, you, you, UMBC in Virginia, all right, that'll be the thing forever, right? A 16 beats a one, so ha, ha, ha. Okay, that's a one-off, and it happened. This is a team who we joked throughout the season. The Lightning don't lose. They just don't lose games. They beat the crap out of everybody. They win the President's Trophy. They're the one, and they don't just lose. They get swept, and they don't just get swept. They get stomped. I mean, it, it, I don't know how to. I don't understand the sport well enough from watching it day in and day out. But I don't know what the context is for this, and I don't know that there even is. Well, I mean, it's the fifth time. I understand it's a sweep, and it's one of the great regular seasons in the history of the sport, and that puts it in its own category. But it's not unique in hockey for. No, what happens every, look, the Avalanche are getting ready to do it to Calgary. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing. It happens every year in this sport. But like this, I mean, like seven to three in a, in a, in a sweep, and like it's over. And if you're a Caps fan, you got to be like, okay, cool. Unless they, you know, turn around and blow a 2 0 lead, which, you know, I mean, they'd never do that, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, all right. Go to the beach. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Good. This was, this was a great half hour of my life. I'm sure glad I spent it with you. Well, I'll I tell know. you what, buddy. It's better than the next fourth couple hours you're going to spend. You know what? There is no. There's going to be a point. There, there's going yeah. to be a point in your life, and it's coming soon, where you're going to ask me, "Hey, can I get a half an hour with you?" Yeah, no, you, you know, I, you know, I love it. If I didn't, I just would have said I can't do it. I, yeah. I, I, this time means a great deal to me. I just want to oh, make sure, sure it does. You know. Okay, see you. Right. Thanks. Everyone have a nice day. Scott I love it. everyone. Bye. Scott Van Pelt, everybody. Quick word about Launch Workplaces. If you're looking for new office space, consider Launch Workplaces. They've actually got locations all around town. The new location is in the Bethesda area. It's right 
about a mile away from the D.C. line, the Massachusetts Avenue corridor, brand new private office solutions um, at, at launch workplaces, a place to get work done if you're in a tight office space and you're looking for something new or you're working from home. Um, it's a beautiful new space, fully furnished offices, conference rooms, co-working desks. You know what, Tommy? They got bagels like once a week. You know, bagels, coffee, a cafe, complimentary drinks, free parking, 24-7 access, launch workplaces. Check them out if you're looking for new office space. They're smaller offices for you know, small groups or individuals, you can call today, use my name, you'll get a free two-day trial, 240-800-6714, that's 240-800-6714, and you can find out where all of their locations are at launchworkplaces.com. You know, it's one of the friendliest workplaces I've ever walked into. It really is. And that, it has nothing to do with the company that you're no, keeping it doesn't. right now. <laughs> Uh, there's some news, uh, some breaking Redskins news uh, here as we're recording the podcast. Uh, Mike Garofalo um, from the NFL Network is reporting that the Redskins have signed Matt Ioannidis to a three-year extension, uh, a deal worth $21.75 million with another $3 million in incentives. Um, and they like Matt Ioannidis. And when, my, when Ioannidis has been healthy, Ionitis has played very well. This is part of that, right now, the strength of their football team, which is the interior on their defensive front with Payne, Allen, and Ionitis. Uh, I'm glad they did it. I, I'm still curious as to why a sheriff extension hasn't been done yet. I think that may be a bit of an under-reported uh, story at this point because if for whatever reason they don't get this thing done, and they've got plenty of time to do it, I'm not suggesting like there's a deadline to do it. He's under contract for this coming season, right. and if he didn't sign an extension uh, for beyond next year, they can always franchise yes, Brandon could. Sheriff to keep him. But I, I just I had this sense that that would was was going to be one of the first to do items on their off season to do list. It's not done yet. And I, I wonder whether or not uh, it's something that Brandon Sheriff is interested in. First of all, he's coming off you know a season-ending injury, so maybe the offers haven't been over. But I can't imagine that they're the Redskins have done a couple of things here under Bruce Allen that have been good. Okay, they have taken their own, which they never used to do. And when they like their own, they've taken care of them. Yes. Trent Williams, Jordan Reed, uh, in recent years, um, Brandon Sheriff is. Entering right now, uh, what will be the the fifth year option? He's going to get paid twelve and a half million dollars, I think it is, for twenty nineteen, and then after that, that's it. This is the last year of his deal. They can franchise him, but a big extension was expected. You know that Norwell deal last year in terms of of guard contracts. Um, some of the others that have that have come up here in recent years um, are deals that maybe the Redskins are going to shy away from, and Sheriff probably could get. Uh, you know, uh, 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 maybe not the largest contract for a guard ever, but it's going to be top three. Yes, it will on the open market, and because he's considered one of the best guards in the league. Yes, yeah, so um, uh, it's. I would think that they've got to get it done before the season. We've got a lot of a lot of time before the season starts, but I, I just would think that the Redskins would want to get this 
uh, deal done. By the I, way, I, I was I was trying to pull it up real quick. It's Zach Martin. Zach Martin signed the deal recently that turned into the biggest deal for a guard in NFL uh, history, an average of $14 million a year. They're paying Sheriff twelve and a half right now. Norwell signed that deal last offseason, if you recall, uh, with Jacksonville that paid him $13.3 million for a year. So I, I would think that Sheriff is looking for $14 million, five years, $70 million plus yeah, in a deal. That sounds right. Uh, I'm glad, obviously, that they re-signed Ioannidis if I'm a Redskins fan. He was your guy. Yeah, he was a guy. Look, I, I don't watch a lot of college football, but since my son went to Temple, I watched Temple a lot that year. Temple was pretty good when Ioannidis' senior year, and he had, a, a, to use a cliche, an unbelievable motor. I mean, he just, just seemed unstoppable sometimes. So I really liked him. And in that defensive line group, I include Tim Settle in that. I still think yeah. he's got a tremendous upside. No, I, I mean, I, I I forgot about him. They they liked him. They've done yeah. well with Virginia Tech and Alabama players. We, yeah. we know that and and settle. And you know who else they like? And I, I meant to mention um, Caleb Brantley um, in, in the conversation with uh, Ben Standa yesterday because you've heard – now, Jay Gruden drops the names of everybody on the roster when he gets into roster discussion. Yeah. You know, always with an emphasis on the running backs over the years. He'll mention every single running back that they've got in camp, including those on the practice squad. But Caleb Brantley's got some talent. I'm actually a little bit more interested to find out what they are thinking about him entering the season. But Allen, Payne, Ioannidis, Settle. You're right. I mean, That's a this very good This group. is the strength of the football team. If Reuben Foster turns into what they think, and a lot of people think he could turn into as an NFL player, and he stays out of trouble, to have him and Sean Dion Hamilton potentially on the inside. I thought he played well towards the end of last year. If they can add the speed rusher on the outside, opposite Kerrigan, and then Ryan Anderson's in the mix there. Um, to go with you know a secondary that right now features Landon Collins, you're starting to and everybody's young, all right. Everybody's yeah. young uh, on on that defense. You know you may be two years away from a top, you know a legitimate top tier defense, top seven, top eight type of defense. You gotta have the pass rush though because you gotta you gotta get teams off the field on third down. You gotta force turnovers more than they have. Um, but they've done a nice job. This is what you asked me two months ago. Give me one one thing they've done well. And I said, they have the beginning of a really good defensive nucleus. Good, young, talented players. And by the way, smart, you know, accomplished college players from a winning program, all of that is in play. But they still, I mean, the defense fell apart so much at the end of last year, but I still think that they are, if it's not this year, it could be the year after. If they can add that pass rusher, they're going to have, they're going to be competitive defensively. You know, that, that, that's very bullish. And, and the best part is they have a defensive coordinator that they tried to replace <laughs> I know. all offseason. I know. But they couldn't get him out the door. So Greg Minuski is still there. And 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 with all the defensive coaching help that they hired, you mean all the coaches uh, you know, that were much sought after. Yeah, the ones who were in the unemployment line, like Rob Ryan and who's Ray the other Horton. guy, Ray Horton, yeah. who were neither of whom were in football last year. And my question would be, what can go wrong? <laughs> it's so true that it's it's no, but it's a really good point. And you, those of you that want to go ahead and scoff at Tommy being negative, go ahead. But 
They tried to replace their defensive coordinator in virtually every hire they made here in the offseason were coaches that were basically out of work. All right, so and it, no one wanted jobs here. Now, a lot of that has to do with the perceived status of Jay Gruden. You want stability yes. when you are moving from yeah. one place to another. But you and, know, this and that's is, this fair is, to say. I know that, except this is an organization where the president of the team probably has more influence over the coaching staff than the head coach. So I mean, I don't necessarily buy that argument with the Redskins because I'm thinking the talk around the league is if Bruce wants you there, you have job security. Tom Sula's back. He is arguably the best position coach on the team. Uh, it's coaching the most talented position group on the team. We know this about the NFL, and we saw this towards the end of last season. If you have a great defense, you are going to have a chance regardless of what your offense is. Now, they have so many holes to fill offensively, and they still have a big hole at safety, potentially a hole at inside linebacker. They still need a pass rusher. They still need a corner or two. Um, But their front seven is, and now you throw Collins on the back end, it's coming around. I mean, I'd be surprised if the Redskins statistically, part of this you know, depends on an offense doing something, um, but I would be surprised if it's not a top half of the league defense statistically. I got to tell you, you know. It, but the it, coaching it, situation, to your point, it, I, I meant I to answer it, is is definitely right now a, a wild card because they didn't want Minuski. They, they, some of these guys that are coaching on defense were only given jobs because no one else would take them, take them, and uh, take the jobs they had to yes. offer, and also take guys like Rob Ryan and Ray, Ray Horton. So that's that's a big, you know, it's a huge question mark for them. Here's the one thing, though, Kevin. It may not be apples to apples, but I can guarantee you, I had the same conversation about this team going into last year. Great front seven. Yeah, but same conversation about the defense. Yes, and you know what? For the first half of the season, it it was going pretty well. Yes. And they didn't have the injuries on defense. They had the injuries primarily on offense, unless you want to include Quentin Dunbar. Well, they ha- but, I, I, Ionitis got hurt. Yeah, and Ionitis did, but that, you yeah. know, at a position where they could afford it a little bit. But yeah. y- you're right about that, and the defense was the biggest let, it was really the biggest disappointment over yeah. the last six or seven games. Yes, it was. They, they gave up 40 points in a little more than a half to the New York Giants last year in an NFL football game. They gave up 40 in basically... 35 minutes. Let me tell you something. Maryland could have played better defense against Saquon Barkley than the Redskins did. But they do have some talent <laughs> on that defense. That they do have. Uh, the Nats won. They're playing this afternoon. Yeah, but they almost blew it again. But they almost blew Their it again. Their bullpen's a big problem. Uh, it, you know, supposedly uh, Trevor Rosenthal's getting a little bit better with each outing. But here's, a, here's who's this guy, Austin Williams, that came in and just uh, gave up bombs. I know. A guy who was pitching lights out in, in, in at AAA. They had to use their closer in a game in which they had a 9-2 lead going into the ninth, which, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, didn't we have this same conversation about a game against the Mets where they were up 12-1 to like a week and a half ago? Where they had to, Doolittle had to come in and save a game that they actually had a 12, or come in for a quasi-save in a game they had a 12-1 lead in. I may be thinking about something else. Well, that was a Rosenthal game, too, where he came in. But Austin Williams was pitching lights out in their minor leagues. Uh, so that's why they brought him up. They thought he had a live arm, and he did. It was just for for the hitters, not 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 for for the Nationals. Trevor Rosenthal, 
needed to work on whatever is bothering him in the minor leagues. He needed to accept a minor league rehab assignment to get right. He refused to do that. You he, he didn't said, you, didn't you predict that he would refuse to do that? Yeah. Well, most, you know what? Yeah, most most guys major leagues major leaguers would. But the right thing would have been to have him not to have him be experimenting here in major league baseball games. Here's what can't happen. You can't have seven run leads and use your closer the day before a seas- a, a series closer that starts at one o'clock in the afternoon. You know, using Doolittle last night could really hurt him today. Yes, it could. And you, you, I mean, it is, by the way. They had a 12-1 lead over the Mets and had to use Doolittle after it got cut to 12-9. That was like two weeks ago. Um, That's crazy. The other thing I wanted to ask you about is Kendrick versus Dozier. You know, why is it every single time he's been healthy, it seems to me, maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that he's produced when he's been healthy for this team? Listen, I I was... uh... I was on with Chad Dukes yesterday on, on 106.7 The Fan, and their lineup going into last night's game, I said I liked it because Matt Williams was in it and Howie Kendrick w- w- was in the lineup, and I thought that would generate more offense, and it certainly did. Plus they hit Rendon second. Did you see that? And, and they're doing it again today. What's interesting today is Victor Robles is leading off, and Michael Taylor is in center field today, not Robles. Uh, I believe Robles is in right field. So, so for, Michael for, Taylor for is hit, yeah. So Michael Taylor is batting mm-hmm. ninth. So Robles is leading off today. for Eaton, basically, Ro- Ro- and playing. Yeah, Ro- yeah okay. and, and Rendon's batting second. Okay, and and Soto's batting third, and Zimmerman is, is batting fourth in, in a one o'clock uh, game. So Adams is isn't getting a follow up. Uh, again, it, it could be a ma- You know, it could be a they're matchup. Fi- they're thing. facing a lefty. Yeah, okay. they're facing yep, a lefty. So. So that's why I, I do wish Kendrick was in the lineup. Of yeah, the Dozier, and, though. but 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 again, that's a knee jerk thing. Uh, you're paying Brian Dozier right. nine million dollars. This is a guy who on an off year hits 25 home runs yep. in the season. You've got to let him play it's to get early. back to what he is. Right. I mean, you know, he I mean, he had 42 home runs a couple years ago. He's he won the gold glove a couple years ago. You have to let him play. And I like Howie Kendrick. And I'd like to see him in the lineup every day. But once you sign Brian Dozier, you got to give him a chance How to play. How old is Kendrick? Now maybe thirty four, thirty five. He's 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 no spring chicken. Thirty five. There you go. He looks like he could play linebacker in the NFL. By the he's way, got tremendous strength. By the way, another thing too is just the consistency of Hellickson in the way they use him. Like the, he has, he is built to be to face a lineup twice and then pull him. I, I don't know if but, this but is... that works only if your bullpen isn't exhausted course, and wiped out. Of course, um, <laughs> I mean your other starters have to go seven in order for that to be effective. Right, eight. Right. Sometimes eight. Yes. Anyway, uh, one last thing I wanted to just mention: just the NBA playoffs. I, I I do have this sense that a lot of people aren't paying attention to it. I am, and I had the Pacers last night plus three three oh five on the money line. And they had a 91-89 lead with the ball under a minute to go. And do you know who their go-to guy is? You know, now that they don't have Victor Oladipo, their go-to guy at the end of a shot clock, end of the game? Who? Boyan Bogdanovich. Remember him? Oh, yes. 
He can really shoot it, but he is not the guy, if you're going to win postseason games, that you rely on to create offense. He's better playing off of people. Um, but they went to him on, and Barkley said this after the game, I think it was Barkley, just said, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich can't be the go-to guy. <laughs> they had this game. They got outscored in the fourth quarter 31-12. to I will just tell you that it was a personal hurt. Yes, I can tell. It's in your voice. Because it really felt like, and I just felt, I thought a lot of the teams that looked terrible in game one had a chance. I actually liked the Pistons last night and played them, uh, Aaron, uh, and they were up one at halftime, ended up getting blown out. Um, I always find these, these NBA playoff series to be interesting from this perspective. People always get caught up in, oh, that series is over. Like Houston, you know, has blown out Utah twice. The Bucks have blown out the Pistons twice. That series is over. I mean, the Pistons can't win that series. The Celtics have won two, you know, against the Pacers. Portland's won two against the, the Thunder. And you, you start to basically think it's over. But nothing changes like an NBA playoff series changes from the first two games to the two that follow it. When you, you know, that the old saying, a playoff series doesn't start until a road team wins, wins a game. And I do expect Utah to play well at home and potentially even that series up against Houston. I would not be surprised if Indiana comes home and evens it up. I would be surprised if the Pistons won two games, but I think the Pistons will figure out a way to win a game. Um, you know, tonight you get the follow-up to the Clippers Warriors game two. You get game three, the first one back in LA. Um, and you know, the the seventy six the, the Nets took a game from the seventy I, I this is when the NBA playoffs for me becomes a little bit more interesting when the lower seated teams go home and you see whether or not they can bounce back, and they usually do in a two nothing hole. Underdogs. For the next couple of days. I'm glad you like it, Kevin. Underdogs for the next couple of days. Well, I, you know, it's it's a betting opportunity, Tommy. <laughs> it's a betting opportunity. I didn't think it was much more than that. Uh, I actually, I probably will not have a side in Golden State Clippers tonight, but I will watch that game. It'd be an interesting game to watch just to see how the Warriors bounce back. Uh, that's it, I guess, unless you got anything else. No, I got nothing else. I think I think we cleaned the plate. I think we clean them. Oh, I did want to mention, are you a Jeopardy watcher? No, not not in many years. Okay. so uh, it's A gambler is one, right? Aaron and I talked about this guy when he set the single episode um, record uh, about a week ago or so. Um, his name's James Holzhauer. All right. He is this young guy who, you know, is self-proclaimed professional gambler, as I use quotations. <laughs> um he last night he broke his previous record. He ended up last night winning on one single episode of Jeopardy one hundred thirty-one thousand one hundred twenty-seven dollars. Wow. Wow. He has the four top scores in Jeopardy history now. In ten games he's played. How is he doing it? Well, last night he went forty for forty on his responses. That's amazing. Forty That's didn't, absolutely didn't get one amazing. wrong. And he must be Aaron. There's got to be some he's, he's, something written about him. It, once the once the clues turned, he's buzzing in. He's he's doing well on buzzing. He's I think I saw he's getting about fifty three percent of his buzzes rang in properly. 
And uh, I mean, but the big thing he's doing is he's he's going big. He's going crazy on, on double on double you know, Jeopardy he, opportunities and and, and final, final Jeopardy. He, he wagered sixty thousand sixty thousand on final Jeopardy <laughs> last night. Sixty thousand thirteen dollars. So he already at that point had seventy one thousand plus. Right. And he wagered sixty thousand thirteen dollars on final Jeopardy. That's incredible. Uh, I don't know what the final clue was. Actually, here it is. Hold on for a second. Oh, you know what? Tommy might get this. 20th century literary characters. What would you wager for that? You're much more of a, of a literary um, li- literature person than I am. I think you are. It's not my strength. I was not a big reader. I mean, the classics, yes, but not like these guys. Here's the, here's the clue. His first name refers to the ancient district in which you'd find the Greek capital. His surname is a bird. You have 30 seconds. I don't I have no idea. Atticus Finch. Oh, okay. To kill a mockingbird. Kill a mockingbird. Uh, so he got that for $60,013 in final <laughs> Jeopardy numbers. 131,000. He he's now won in a 10-day run. $697,787. Ken Jennings is the all-time Jeopardy champion at $2.5 bucks, but he had $2.5 bucks in 74 episodes. This guy's on pace to pass Jennings in just 36 episodes. He is a gambler. There's no doubt. His whole... You can see it like when he when he wagers big, like, oh, let's go with a true daily double, you know, Alex. It doesn't matter what the score is. He's just expecting to, to roll through yeah. the competition, and he's trying to, to really, really beat the book here. He's well, trying to bury the book. I mean, he... Not just win, but bury it. Well, he, he's... Look, and the one thing about Jeopardy as opposed to real gambling is you can never really lose your money. Right. Okay? You can only make your money. Uh, what is this? Oh, he made some comment last night about the bookies in Las Vegas. Uh, are uh, he doesn't think the bookies in Las Vegas are going to be be willing to accept any of his action after this? First of all, this thing that he's doing has nothing to do with wagering if, on a sporting event. If there was event. a trivia contest, yeah. they wouldn't let him play. Yeah, and and I promise you that he will be able to find bookies that will book his <laughs> sports action. I promise you that. <laughs> Uh, he he made this comment. He goes, "Yeah, they know who I am." Oh my gosh! Uh, but anyway, he is a bit annoying. But it is fun to watch. Although uh, you, we do know that um, Alex Trebek has pancreatic cancer right now that he's fighting. But he he looks healthy on the show. But Godspeed to him. I go back to the Art Fleming days oh, of Jeopardy. Th- that, that's uh, I, <laughs> I've got people in my life your age that mention the Art Fleming <laughs> Jeopardy. Um, all right, uh, that's all we got for you today. Enjoy the day. Thanks to Scott. Uh, he bitches and screams, but he really does love us, and he really is generous uh, to come on with us as he does every week. He's been doing it for, I don't know, long time, 15 years or so. Again, you must have saved his life at some No, point. I didn't save his life, uh, but he's great when he comes on, and he, he the, the Masters really, I know we've done a lot on that this week, but... It was a uh, it was quite the sporting event oh, last weekend. Absolutely. After all, it was a golf tournament. <laughs> thanks to Aaron. Thanks to all of you. Back tomorrow, we'll do a lot of draft stuff and certainly Caps follow up as well.